Hello, and welcome to Femme Fabulous, a podcast featuring women of achievement, of purpose, and of resilience. Hopefully, you'll be inspired. I'm your host, Delia von Neuschatz. We are with Annabelle Kingsley today, who runs the renowned Trichology Institute founded by her father, Philip Kingsley. The Philip Kingsley Clinic has tended to the locks of the great and the good since the 1950s. Audrey Hepburn was famously a client, and more recently, Prince Harry is rumored to be one as well. With outposts in New York and London and an extensive product range, we talked to the new mom about running a business, developing products, and juggling the demands of career and family. Of course, we would be remiss not to get into the topic of optimizing hair health, and we also touch upon a really promising new treatment for hair growth. Without further ado, here is Annabelle. You took over your father's company a few years after he died, and the business is made up of two locations, one in London, one in New York, and Mm -hmm. also a quite large product range. You are now running the business. What does that entail, running the two locations and the product range? My father passed away very suddenly, Um, so this was in, in one way thrust upon me quite unexpectedly, but I was being prepped for it, I think, for most of my life. I've kind of, I've been involved, well, most of my working life, I've been involved in the business since my late teens. The business that was left to me, it, in terms of the clinics, we have such an amazing team of people that have been working for the company for, you know, a lot, 20 years plus. Um, So in that respect, it was a well-functioning machine and I've worked in all aspects of the company. So I've managed um, the New York clinic. I started out in the mail order department packaging up products. Um, I've worked at the London clinic reception. I've worked in um, in the product company and on the marketing team. Um, I managed our social media for a while. So because I have had that experience in, in every single part of the company, the transition wasn't too difficult. Um, and we also have s- such good people or had and also have such good people in place um, that it's just basically about managing the different teams, keeping lines of communication open um, and making sure that m- the my father's vision remains strong um, and we remain on that trajectory going forward. What is your father's vision? It was all about product integrity for him and honesty and not overclaiming and making people feel secure in the brand. So my father was incredibly ethical. So any product that he brought out, um, any claims that he made um, had to be true. The products always need to do what they say on the box, so to speak. So basically not letting that that those core brand values and brand integrity um, slip. Um, is, I think, what uh, makes the company great and what will continue to to grow it. And the product range is no small thing. I think last year in the U.S. it grossed $36 million with 20% year-on-year growth. Yeah, it is doing incredibly well. Um, and that I can thank my husband for who is our our CEO so it's um it's grow the company is growing from strength to strength which isn't any mean feat in the um you know the recent kind of covid climate but 
people continue to care about their hair and we continue to bring out products that that really work. Um, so I think that's why we've we've become and remain so successful. You mentioned how you have some employees that have been with the company for several decades. What makes for good management? What makes for someone to be able to retain, to attract and retain good people? Um, so I think it all stems from the fact that we are a family run company. I mean, you have dysfunctional families, but I think we're a, a very um, healthy and functional family and we try to run our values through the company. So supporting the people that work for you, making them feel secure, challenging them in a healthy way, spreading the passion that we have. I think that that is so important. If people really care about their work and what they're doing, and if they are working towards a, um, a greater vision, you know, happy employees, they produce, well, they want to produce good work or they it just it just happens that way and also it, it really helps that my mom um is a, a psychotherapist and she wrote a book called the fear-free organization which is about how fear in companies how it stifles creativity when people work from a place of fear when they think they're going to be yelled at um or you know, constantly in fear of being fired or their, their, their manager isn't giving them the support they need. They just don't, their work is stifled. So we really try to create a really nurturing environment where basically that's honest, open, and also we're trustworthy. And so we try and be honest and open, or we are honest and open with our employees and we expect the same in return as well. And you're, so you're working with your husband, with your mom, who you just mentioned, Joan Kingsley, and I think your sister too. Yes. Correct. So are, are there any challenging, any challenges in having, you know, so much family working together? Um, I think, yes, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's always challenges um, in any family dynamic, but there are also so many positives because I trust my family completely. And that is in incredibly rare to have a team of people around you that you completely trust. Um, you know, we do have arguments, but they're, they're quite healthy. It's good that we challenge each other. Um, we have healthy debate. We each have our own strengths and our own weaknesses that we know about. So we actually work really well as, as a team. You know, there, there is, there's always that blur between what's family time and what's work time. Um, so we do, you know, we will set aside specific dinners when we promise that we won't talk about work. That hardly ever happens. But <laughs> And also we'll have set work meetings um, where we turn our kind of business heads on um, and really kind of hash things out. But, you know, because we were owners of the company and, you know, my sister and I have grown up in the company we so we care so much about it that you know it's at least um, on my part I never really want to switch off because I love it so much that if you know my husband and I talk business over dinner most nights it's not you know doesn't result in eye rolling or oh can't we talk about something else it's actually we really enjoy talking about it and we get really excited about growing the business together you know what how we can change things for the better new products we can bring out, things that we can do to, you know, nurture our different teams more. So it's, it's, um, it's actually, I, I love it. I maybe not for everyone, but it's, it's what I 
grown up with um, and and I, I flourish in that environment, I think. Speaking of products and of challenges, what does it take to launch a new product into the market today? So we have always, my father always used to say, we don't follow trends, we make them. So we never kind of jump on the, the trends bandwagon. If we see you know, I don't know, all other hair product companies coming out with a, you know, a, a glitter shine spray. We're not then going to come out with one of those. But what we what we do do is we listen to what people, what our customers want. And we will often send out polls asking people, what are we missing? What are you looking for in a hair care product? We're also constantly keeping our eye on ingredient innovations as well. Um, so we have different types of projects. We have ones that take, you know, maybe a decade to develop and ones that are styling products that might not take quite so long. Um, in terms of Philip Kingsley products, it's about not just about how they make your hair look, but it's also about the impact that they have on the health of your hair and also on your scalp. So formulating products that are, are good for your hair and are going to make it look good instantly, but also give your hair benefits and your scalp benefits in the long term. Sometimes we'll see other products coming out that we like to look of, but we think, you know what, they could be much better or this isn't working. So that's another way that we can develop products is by looking at things that we already know exist, but then just improving upon them. Now, Hair loss has been one of the side effects of COVID for many people. What are some or even the most important thing that someone can do in order to optimize their health, hair health and hold on to their hair? <laughs> it's a great question. Do you have an hour? <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. So, but, but perhaps we can keep yeah. it a little shorter. <laughs> so hair, the thing that I always like to tell people whenever they come in to see me for a consultation when they're losing their hair is that hair isn't an essential tissue so even though it is incredibly important to us psychologically you know a bad hair day or losing your hair can completely destroy your self-esteem it can send especially women into a depression it can affect your social life your ability to perform at work it can it can really impact your mood like nothing else but Unfortunately, your body just can't, could not care less about your hair because, you know, if I, all my hair, you know, let's hope it doesn't happen, were to fall out this very second, I would con continue to breathe. All of my essential systems would continue to function. So that means that whenever something isn't quite right with our general health, whenever we're stressed, whenever we're not eating well, whenever our hormones are off, the first thing that our body kind of neglects to look after is our hair. And so it's the first thing that is going to fall out when something isn't quite right. So the first thing to do above the products you use is to really look after yourself. So look after your general health, eat well, so don't skip meals, make sure you're eating a really healthy, balanced diet with proteins, complex carbohydrates, healthy fats, vitamin B12, vitamin D, all of these things are really essential to hair growth. Also getting yearly medical checks. So, you know, you can be deficient, even if you're eating a healthy diet, you can sometimes be deficient in vitamins and minerals, especially if you're 
a woman and you're you're menstruating because you're losing blood every month you iron and ferritin which is stored iron deficiency are really really common um, and that is one of the most common causes of of hair loss so in those instances taking a supplement can be actually essential Um, so getting yearly blood tests if your hair isn't behaving as you think it should or if you find that it's falling out more that can be make or break in terms of getting your hair to grow back looking at your stress levels so um, stress can it raises cortisol levels this can have major impact on your body generally but on your hair this can um, flare up your scalp it can have a negative impact on your scalp it can affect how your body absorbs nutrients um, and this again because of the whole connection between nutrition and your hair can cause excessive hair shedding cortisol can also raise testosterone levels and if you have a genetic tendency to for your hair to thin that can actually exacerbate that so holistic a holistic approach is essential an integrative yeah approach yeah i i uh i know i think i read that you like to start each day by eating two eggs Yes, you have a love of eggs. So I that do. that figures <laughs> into the nutrition aspect as well with the protein. And you said, I think breakfast and lunch are the two most important yeah. meals as far as hair health. Yes. Can you expand on that a little? Yes. So I mean, well, breakfast and lunch are the most important meals for you generally, because it's when your energy expenditure is at its great greatest. Breakfast is the most important. You're breaking your fast, you haven't eaten for many hours. So whenever you feel hungry, kind of imagine how hungry your hair is because it's not that it's not an essential tissue so your hair cells are the last part of your body to receive any energy or nutrients that you intake and they're also the first to be withheld from so if if you skip breakfast your hair is not getting anything and then once if you then have lunch your hair probably still isn't going to get that much because your body's going to be thinking well we need to feed the parts of you that are actually keeping you upright in breathing so it can have this knock-on effect so when you're hungry your hair is actually suffering <laughs> yes okay that's good i mean a day you know a day or two here or there when you forget lunch you know it's no, no big deal but if it's a consistent thing that you know five days a week you're missing breakfast or you're skipping lunch um or you have you know i often ask clients what you have for breakfast coffee and i think well okay that's something very easy that we can do to to improve the 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 growth of your hair. Okay. Well, I consistently skip meals, so that is starting to explain <laughs> a lot of things. What was your father like? Uh, Philip Kingsley was a guru in yeah. the field of trichology, which yeah. is the study uh, science of hair. But yeah. I'm sure you can explain it a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you explained it exactly. It's the hair and scalp. So it's the scientific study of the, the hair and scalp um, and all diseases relating to the hair and scalp and also hair everything from hair conditions so dryness brittleness and breakage to rare kind of hair shaft disorders to hair loss to scalp conditions ranging from you know common dandruff to things like psoriasis and pityriasis amiantasia which is there are lots of kind of scary sounding scalp conditions but they're basically a lot of um flaky scalp conditions that we treat that are really really common my father was a amazing he was um people describe him as the perfect gentleman um he was very kind very warm considerate generous um passionate he had a huge passion for what he did um he really cared about his clients and about 
what he was doing and and how he could help men and particularly women um, regain their confidence by helping them with their hair. And I think that's what well, that is what I love about my job is the fact that I can really make a difference in someone's life by helping them with hair loss or a scalp issue because they can be so psychologically devastating. And he he worked up until, well, he passed away when he was 86. He worked, was working pretty much every day until the day he passed away. He just, he, he absolutely loved what he did and his passion was infectious. So he passed it on to me, to everyone who works within the company. And to your, the question that you asked earlier, that is probably a major reason why people have remained working at Philip Kingsley for so long is because of the passion um, and I have immense passion. My mother does, my sister does, my husband does. And I think that is, it's exciting for people. And I also think it's quite rare in a company. We're not a company that just chases sales. I mean, obviously that is part, you you have to sell products in order to remain open, but it's about the difference that we can make. and, And that's what gets people really excited. What is it that he told you about how you should expect or demand uh, to be treated by the man in your life? Um, I think, well, I just always thought that a man should treat me like my father did, which was with, you know, you know, with great respect. But I think it's, he talked about how you should treat people generally. So it wasn't, he never really said you should treat a woman like this or you should be treated like this because you're a woman or this person, he should be treated like this because he's a man. It's you treat someone well because they are someone, they're a person. Um, so I think that, you know, that was quite unusual for someone from his generation because, you know, he was, grew up in, you know, a time when kind of sexism was rife um but he had mutual respect for for both men and women and and kind of and taught me and my sister similar values his youth was really during the mad men era yes the 1950s 60s yes it was so i'm shocked that he turned out how he did (laughs) remarkable (laughs) (laughs) and has passed that on to his children yes Is there anything new, just getting back to trichology, is there anything new and exciting coming out in the field of trichology and hair growth? Um, So there's something called a hair follicle banking or hair cell banking, which is technology to actually use it isn't quite there yet, but it's basically that they're taking hair follicles, cloning them, freezing them, and then can be used at a later date to transplant back onto the scalp to grow hair. So so the advantage of that is that they would take out fewer hairs for a hair transplant? Um, so there are a few advantages. So when hair is transplanted, it's taken from the back of your head. So male and female pattern hair loss is called pattern hair loss because it falls out in a pattern and it's that kind of front top and crown area that are affected and the reason why that is is because those areas are under genetic influence so those areas on your scalp those hair follicles are sensitive to normal levels of testosterone however the hairs on the back of your head aren't so when you do a normal hair transplant you transplant hairs that aren't genetically susceptible susceptible into areas that are and then they continue to grow as hairs that aren't affected by hormones so which is all well and good if you have enough hairs 
in the donor site to fill the top area. But if you have a very severe thinning um, or reduced hair volume, you're not going to have enough hairs to transplant. So when you clone, you can get as many hair, you know, you can then produce as many hairs as necessary, regardless of, of the severity of the thinning. Also with this, they're saying that you should bank your hair follicles ASAP. So maybe even before you've noticed um, density changes, but you think that you might be prone to it. Um, but can that be done now? Can someone bank their hair follicles it's, now? Um, so it's called hair clone. It's by uh, this uh, transplant specialist, um, Dr. Bessem Farjo. Where um, is he? He's in London. Yeah, so you can do that at the moment. And then the technology to act actually, I mean, I think the technology's there. They're just having to go through, you know, the trials that you have to go through when you come out with something like this. Um, How far away is that? I don't think it's that far, actually. But he's a very well-respected transplant specialist. We refer clients to him. And because your hair follicles age, it's kind of, I could you could liken it in a way to egg freezing. So you, you're meant to freeze your eggs, you know, in your early 20s, because they will, same with your hair follicles, the younger you freeze them, the kind of better quality they will be so if you're even if you're in your 20s or 30s it could be and you're starting to see some density changes or let's say both of your parents have density changes it could be a good idea to to look into that if it if it's, it's something you're concerned about oh wow so yeah i guess you really should start early on and maybe even if you don't see density changes because I don't know I, I've known people who have had full heads of hair and then they get they get to their 50s or late 40s and it starts to to drop off so yeah wow, I mean there are two there are many different types of hair loss um, but the two most common that so the one we were just talking about that's called androgenic alopecia so it's alopecia is just a ter general term for hair loss and androgenic means so androgens male hormones and genetics it's a genetic predisposition that causes hair follicles on your scalp to be sensitive to normal levels of circulating testosterone um, or dihydrotestosterone and that is what a transplant would kind of help to treat that is what things like minoxidil help to treat um, and then you have another type of hair loss which is just as common and more common in women um, which is called telogen effluvium and that's excessive daily hair shedding and that you you don't need a transplant for and you shouldn't have a transplant for that's a reactive hair shedding um, and that is um, what things like poor nutrition stress things like hypo or hyper under overactive thyroid can cause um it's what happens to, to women after, a lot of women after they've given birth. So that that's completely different and, and will have a completely different type of, of treatment that it needs. Okay, so the harvesting is no good for telogen effluvium? No. Okay. You can have both happen at the same time. So. Okay, I see. <laughs> a one-two punch. <laughs> yes. um, you Were you a virologist? No. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, so it university I studied history of medicine and I did my papers on weirdly I did my thesis on what would happen if there was a pandemic <laughs> another wow. pandemic so maybe that's where it came from because I wrote about okay pl plagues throughout history how we managed them what caused them what we did wrong so that might be where you got that from but no okay. I didn't 
I didn't study. I'm not a virologist. Okay. <laughs> but you did go to uh, to Le Cordon Bleu cookery school. Yes. And you have a degree from there. I do, yes. I, I graduated with merit, shockingly. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm a very messy cook. <laughs> I, I was reading that like just one night, like a typical weeknight, you had made like glazed salmon with... Um, I don't know, with a side of vegetables and then something else. I mean, you had just whipped that up on a regular weeknight. Can you just tell me a little bit about your love of cooking? And also, I imagine that would relate to nutrition and how yeah. important that is to hair health and health in general and yeah. your interest in that. Um, I think I love cooking since I, I was very little. So I, you know, when I was five, apparently, I was asking to kind of make up cake recipes and mix them. They're all thrown away because I did like an equal salt to sugar ratio <laughs> with them. But I, I think maybe my, you know, my mom's a very good cook. My dad um, was a terrible cook, but he loved eating. Um, so we've, we've, as a family, we love food. So I just think it was something that I picked up um, and doing, I did the cordon bleu in my, my gap year. Was something fun to do, but it also requires a lot of discipline. It's a really good skill to have because it lays the foundation for cooking generally. How to, you know, sweat onions correctly. The how to chop things, how to mix things. Um, you know, it's cooking is a chemistry. Um, so maybe that might be another reason why I really enjoy it because it's quite can be quite precise, and also time management. Yes, time management. So it it, it teaches you good skills for life basically and even in in business as well <laughs> like did you did you ever think about going into being a chef or cooking or you always knew that you were going to follow in your father's footsteps um I don't think I thought about it for a hot second and then I read kitchen confidential <laughs> and I thought <laughs> no <laughs> not for me I actually I didn't always want to be a trichologist when I was in my my mother used to be a singer when in my early teens I want that's what I wanted to be was a singer songwriter and I actually started working for my father um just as a, a way to earn some you know pocket money um and to find out what I really wanted to do with my life and then you know pretty much day one I just fell in love with the company and then remained in it from just kind of temping there and you recently had a baby boy. Yes. He's nine or 10 months old nine now. Months. Nine months old. Yeah. How do you balance being a wife, which also has its own demands, uh, a mother and running this business? Um, with a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. An honest answer. <laughs> Just joking. Not really. Um, I, so, it's good for you. Yeah, it is. It's good. Uh, what Red wine, good, good antioxidants. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I think it's it's all about it's setting realistic put setting realistic expectations on yourself. You know, I there people say I think there's a lot of pressure to have it all and I actually I think you can have a lot and I think you can you can have it all in terms of having what be being content, but I don't think you can maybe this is just me. I don't think you can you can't be a full-time mom and a full-time working woman and a full-time wife. You have to balance those three elements and also in a healthy way and that works for you. And I think it is really different for, for everyone. Um, and I think a lot of kind of expectation, maybe too much is put on 
women a lot of the time. For me, I mean, it's been a weird year because of COVID. So how I expected um, early you, mother. You had your baby during the pandemic. Yeah. And I was, uh, I think when I was three months pregnant, that's when lockdown occurred. So pretty much from when I got pregnant to now, it's been, we've been in lockdown in, in, in London. So I'm actually still learning how to balance it because it's been so abnormal. So I haven't everything that I kind of thought it would be. It's been wonderful, though. You know, I'm not this isn't me kind of complaining. I, I love my son to bits and, it, you know, having him has changed my life in such positive ways. But um, it's not, you know, the things that I had planned in terms of how I would balance work life, being a mother and being a wife, you know, they're. I think I'm just coming to that point now that life is kind of returning to to some semblance of normalcy. So you might want to ask me <laughs> in about half a year. But I think, yeah, it is about setting setting yourself a structure, just like with anything, like you would with embarking on anything new um, with your job, with, you know, getting married, with having a baby. It's, it's um, kind of planning it out in, in your head and also giving yourself a bit of a break sometimes as well. <laughs> right. Well, we, we all know what happens to the best laid plans, right? Yeah. Uh, and this year is an example of that. So Annabelle, what's next for you and for Philip Kingsley, the company, the family? So my husband and I and Leopold are planning on moving to New York at the end of July. Um, so it's something that we've wanted to do for a while, but that we really want to um, grow the business in the States. So that's the main reason. And yeah, that that's what's next is basically raising awareness of, of Philip Kingsley um, in the US. Um, also, um, I'll be working at our New York clinic. Um, we have an amazing team there. Um, so I'm really excited to to go back to join them. Um, and I haven't seen them for almost two years now. So that's going to be um, amazing to catch up with them because our two trichologists there, um, uh, Stephen and, and Elizabeth, they've known me me since I was a baby. So it's kind of like they are um, extended family. So that's it's going to be wonderful to, to be able to work with them closely. Oh, wow. And what about, have you considered doing med more medical type treatments in the clinic too, such as platelet-rich plasma, things like that, or no? No, we have. So platelet uh, PRP. And how do you feel about things like PRP? I think, you know, I've seen different results. I think I've seen with some people it's actually worked quite well. And with other um, men and women I've seen, it hasn't had much of an impact at all. It can be hit or miss. I think there isn't any harm in having it done, but it is expensive and you do require repeat treatments and it can be quite painful. So I would never really outright suggest someone has it done. But if someone asked me if it was okay, I would say, we'll give it a go. Maybe it will have, uh, you know, a positive impact. That's one of the reasons why we wouldn't do it at our clinic, because we can't promise results. We only like to have treatments that really there are clinically proven to to really work. But also we have other places that we can refer clients to if that we trust to do a, a good job if they want to have it done. And we can offer treatment alongside it. So we can offer prescription scalp drops that, that do work that you can um, use alongside PRP. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, I mean, there's, I could talk for days about 
hair loss and just I guess um something that I'm really trying to raise awareness of at the moment is just how common hair loss is in women because I feel like you know it can be devastating for men as well but it's talk men talk about their hair loss it's very well known that it's it's something that commonly happens to men um but it's not really talked a lot about um in terms of women and it, hair loss is just as common in women as it is in men um and i know from a lot of my female clients that you know they come to me and they're feeling really alone like they're the only ones going through it that there's something wrong with them and i think that uh, yeah if someone is listening to this a woman and she's losing her hair just to know that she isn't alone and that there is lots that can be done to help with hair loss and it's hardly ever temporary um especially if you're sorry sorry it, it, it is, is temporary it is temporary Visual. sorry it is almost always <laughs> temporary especially if you're experiencing too much hair fall on a daily basis you know there's always a really definitive reason for that and also a way to to stop it and to get your hair to grow back it's just all about finding the cause Annabelle Kingsley thank you very much it was my pleasure thank you for listening and please stay tuned for conversations with more femme fabulous